a funky season, this Advent thing. And it's really marked by, by one characteristic. It's marked by longing. Here's my question for you today, for me. What are you longing for? What, what is it that's inside the pit of your soul that's just like, man, you, you're longing for it so much you almost feel like you can taste it, but it just seems outside of the reach of your taste and your touch. We live in a world that's laced by longing. Everyone, every human being has longing. But we live in this world that is driven by secularism. It's hijacked by polarization. It's trapped by self-referential determinism. I'm going to make my way. And it's wrecked just wrecked by violence. Every person on the face of the earth has longings. Whether they're religiously based or not, they're hardwired into their being as image bearers. And we all long for a number of things, but really for four things. We long for light. We long for love. We long for joy. And we long for peace. These are the things we long for in life. Oh, we may give it other words, but at the end of the day, you do not have those things. You do not have life. So this season of Advent, as Mary shared with us earlier, is the first Sunday of what we call the Christian year. Uh, today, Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Today's, today's the Christian New Year day. Happy New Year. We, we enter into this rhythm of the Christian year, the Christian calendar, with this Advent. Now, that word Advent, Aventus in the Latin, it, it kind of means coming. It means arrival. And with that, it means anticipation. But it means coming. And because of that anticipation, it, it, is, it is wired with longing. And that is where we lean into, this longing, this yearning for things to be made right in the coming Advent, the coming of Jesus. Now, it has been said by many that there isn't one coming of Jesus, there's not two coming of Jesus, there's three comings of Jesus. Obviously, the first coming of Jesus is the coming of Jesus at his birth, and we grow this season in anticipation of celebrating the cruel reality of God becoming a messy infant for the sake of a messy world. Nothing about the manger scene was antiseptic. You know, it was a mess. 
whole situation. But God got messy because we're a mess. So the coming of Jesus at his birth, and we anticipate that, we walk through the season, and the whole reason why we're slowing down Christmas's progression is so that when it happens, it, it blows us away because you know what? What an amazing thing that God came. Right? Secondly, it's the coming of Jesus. The second coming is the coming of Jesus today in our everyday lives. God with us, Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, greets each and every one of us every day with his presence. So let's, do me a favor, let's not go around arguing the point about let's keep Christ in Christmas. He's already here, no matter what the bumper sticker says. So let's not give our energy to those things. Don't, don't give your energy to that. No matter what anyone says or does, too late, too late. He already came. He already came in Christmas. He's already in Christmas. He's already here. Emmanuel, God with us right now. There's a third coming, and that's the final coming of the Lord Jesus. Christ has died, Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Say that with me. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Here's a question. Tuck this right into your Advent heart. Do you believe... You know, get rid of that word. Do you know that Jesus Christ is coming again. Not just some personal coming to me, but he is coming to order his creation. He is coming to make all things right. That is our hope. No season of the year, no church season of the year, none. Nowhere is there we are more invited to be aware of the need for God to make all things right. So you heard that, that beautiful reading that Kristen and her boys gave to us. And, and we read it and we go, <laughs> I mean, the sanctuary is like decorated for Christmas. Why, what are you reading that for? Come on. Well, here's the deal. In Advent, we name and we sit with the paradoxes of our faith. Conflict and peace, sadness and joy, hatred and love, and, but mostly, most of all, we, we sit with this paradox, this tension of darkness and light. Darkness and light. We live in a world where we, as followers of Jesus, walk in these paradoxes, we walk in these realities every day of our lives. So here's the question. What will we do as we live in this tension between the first coming of Jesus and the final coming of Jesus, between the way things are and the way things ought to be? How will we navigate these realities even as we find our way in a season like this to Christmas? I know, I know. I know, we're all hardwired 
to sprint to Christmas. I know. I know when the sprint began. I, I, have, I have proof. It was August. I walked into, I won't mention the store. I won't mention that. It's down Amherst Street next to Chick-fil-A in the back corner. And its initials are HL. So I won't mention Hobby Lobby, but I walked in. It was August. And I don't know if you've ever been in Hobby Lobby, but you walk in and they have these shelves, right? And then they, they have these shelves and then they have the shelves. And it was these shelves that were, were on top of the shelves. It was, it was merchandise with shelves with more merchandise and then it was the shelves on top of the shelves with the merchandise. And it was stacked to the ceiling. And I walked in. I think I was just going to get, like, greeting cards. And I looked up. And I was under attack from Christmas. <laughs> there was so much Christmas merchandise. It was so much August. And I'm like, I could feel, I could feel, in, my, I could feel in me. Now, some people go in there and go, this is so awesome. They're, they're trying to climb the shelves to get to I'm going in there, my heart starts to beat. <laughs> that happens to me anyway when I go shopping half the time. But I'm, I'm starting to go, oh, man. And I felt completely overwhelmed by Christmas in August. And I knew the sprint had begun. But I want to encourage us to not sprint to Christmas, but to wait to listen. I have a question for you. What are you longing for? To listen to our longings. The longings of our hearts in a world that is nothing like Christmas. Wrestle with the questions of Advent. In this unhinged world, questions like, what are you waiting for, God? <laughs> or God, how in the world am I in this place? I didn't expect this. Not what I was, I didn't sign up for this. Where are you? Have you forgotten us? Have you forgotten me? You see, those are the questions that we embrace with our longings, but we're not alone. We're not alone in that. In fact, we're going to look at Psalms all through Advent. And when you read the Psalms, what you have to understand is the psalmists are expressing their deepest longings. If I asked them the question, what are you longing for, I would just need to read 150 Psalms and i discover what they're longing for. And we're so much like them. We have so much in common with these ancient writers because, you see, Messiah had not come yet, and they were looking for his coming. We know he's come, and we're looking for his coming we want him to come. We cry out, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come and make all things right. So the longings of their hearts and their writings capture our longings. So 
Let's start with the words we read earlier, or we heard earlier from Psalm 80, some of the words. Let's stand together and let's read these words from the psalmist together. Here we go. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord for us. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now these prayers that we hear in Psalm 80 sound like prayers that we would pray. Maybe prayers that we would pray in the dark. They sound like prayers of people, a certain kind of people, living in a world like ours. They, they sound like prayers of people who realize that their only hope is to hope in God, not as a last resort to kind of put a little bow on it, pun intended, but rather as a first necessity to hope in God. Now, to understand these words, we need to look at a couple other words in the psalm. One verse, actually, really captures what's happening here. Verse 5, you have fed your people with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You see, Psalm 80 is not written in the sunshine of life. In fact, the people of God have gone astray. There, there's different um, views on when this was written, but it was written either before the collapse of the northern kingdom or the complete collapse and exile of the Judean kingdom. Somewhere in there. So judgment has come in the form of plundering armies and devastating losses and deep disorientation. These words describe national crisis, natural calamities, and hearts that have been broken by life's realities. You have fed your people with bread of tears, you have made them drink tears by the bowlful. Do you hear that? Do you get that? Do you get that? What, what do you do? What do we do with a world where our souls are choked on a constant feed of sadness and losses? What do we do? In a world that seems so unlike the God who loves us, what do we do? The answer to that is not to look away and try to, try to just talk about all the positive things. I think you should do that. But what do we do where we are force-fed the dregs of sin and sadness, sometimes by our own choices, and we are sometimes left to wonder as Philip Yancey says it in the title of his book, the question that never goes away, why? 
Great book, by the way. In, in a world where we long for Henry Van Dyke's words to be true of that carol, that beloved carol, melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away, giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. What do we do? We long. We yearn. We long for light in a dark world because we are a people who realize something. We are a people who realize that our only hope is to hope in God. Not as a last resort, but as a first necessity. So you know what we do? We stretch our hand out to the God who's already stretched his hand out to us. Because we say, it's my only hope. I have no other hope. Jesus, you're my only hope. Apart from you, I can do nothing. So I reach my hand, especially when I don't understand. And I say, oh, God, reach. And right in the midst of the darkness, we discover a God who reaches his hand toward us. You see, Psalm 80 is a cry to the one, hear that, the one who actually cares more than any other. The one who is so far greater than all the questions in the quagmires. He's so far greater. Hear these words again. Hear a shepherd of Israel. A shepherd cares. And here's the thing. Not only is he a shepherd, but you, you who sit enthroned between the cherubims shine forth. He cares and he's greater than whatever we face. And that leads to this. Here's the truth. The sheep can't do anything without the shepherd. You see... If you want to get to Christmas and, and drink from the fountain of that beautiful day and season, if I want to get to Christmas, the first recognition is this. Without him, we can't. The first recognition is for us to know that there is nothing any of us can do in our own devices for our hard situations. Don't, don't take that as an action. Don't take that as, well, you know, I, I'm just going to sit and wait for something to happen. Don't take it that way. But the truth is God sometimes uses us, but it has to be God and his grace and his goodness and his spirit guiding us. We need the shepherd who cares for us. We need to adopt a rally cry. Are you ready? Here's the rally cry. Help! That's what the psalmist is doing. I don't know about you, but you know, someone really messed me up about prayer one time. And they told me, you know, you should never ask God for help because God's already present and he's already doing everything he can. And that's true. But you know what I've discovered? The longer I walk with Jesus, the more he wants me to say, help. Why? Because we need to throw ourselves open to what only God's grace can do. 
And so where do you need today to cry out to God, help me? Help me. Where do you need today to open yourself to the possibility of grace? This amazing actuation of the love of God. Oh boy, we have really softened grace in terms of just something we feel, but we're talking about the actuating power of the love of Almighty God that meets us, carries us, changes us, fills us. When Asaph wrote and sang this song with the people of God looking at his world, the world around him appeared like it was coming undone. Does that sound familiar? So the psalmist and the people sang with the deep, same deep longing that we sing in 2023. But there's really good news. There's good news for us. And I know this is a really long quote, but it's really worth it. Fleming Rutledge says, we do not know why God delays so long. We don't. We do not know why so many have to suffer and like there's no meaning, it seems, to suffering. All we know is that there is this rumor, this hope, this expectation that the master is coming back. God will come and his justice will prevail and he will destroy evil and pain in all its forms once and forever. To be a Christian is to live every day in the unshakable hope of those who expect the dawn. And you see, that makes the prayers of this psalmist our prayers as well. And, and, and the shining light, Jesus, is where we find our hope. In fact, I think those two words are actually interchangeable, light and hope. And that is what we hear in this cry from the psalmist. In fact, we hear it three times. Restore us, O God. And if that's not enough, he amps it up a little more. Restore us, God Almighty. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. We need the face of God to shine on us. It was during the darkest days of the pandemic that one song became the song that began to spread across social media and the internet like a contagious virus. Different variations, different languages, different locations where it was sung, even those with no faith tradition claimed hold of it. And many didn't even know. It was from some of the earliest of Scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and the Lord give you peace. Amen. 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 Wow. Remember that? Those words are life-giving. God turning his face towards us and shining us. And here's the good news. Jesus describes himself as the light of the world. 
God has turned his face toward us in Jesus. And we need the light to see what's really in the darkness so we can find the true light. Hear that statement again. We need this light to see what's really in the darkness so we can find the true light. Early this morning, I read these words. Advent tells us we cannot welcome the light of the world while hiding the truth of who we are. We cannot follow the light of the world while we hide in the dark. So I'm asking myself, Jeff, is there any place where you're hiding? Anything you are hiding? Anything that I'm trying to not let be seen? N.T. Wright says it this way, Christmas is God lighting a candle and you don't light a candle in a room that's already full of sunlight. You light a candle in a room that's so murky that the candle when lit reveals just how bad things really are. So what Christmas does is it comes in with this blazing light and we walk in Advent, we get there through this time recognizing how bad things really are. But here's the good news. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome it. Right? And that is why we need Advent, so that Christmas and faith do not become some form of sappy religious escapism, or as my friend Rob Fringer would say, some hokey holiday or a trite superficial holiday. No, no. We stare into the darkest darkness knowing that Jesus came and Jesus comes and Jesus will come again to conquer all the darkness. That this messy infant is the same Lord who will someday be the triumphant king whose light will blow darkness to smithereens. Amen. That's why in Advent we sing songs like we sang today, perfect songs for Advent. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Come. Lord, how can you make beautiful things? Listen to the questions that song asks. How can you make beautiful things out of this mess and out of this mess? Check in with my family. They'll say amen. Amen to this mess. But we believe that the messy infant is the same Lord who will someday be the triumphant king whose light will blow the darkness to smithereens. And man, that pulls me forward. Tish Warren went on to write, the final return of Christ is the undoing of cancer. The utter dismantling of white supremacy and racism. It is the delivery of justice for the victimized, for the weakest and the most vulnerable whom the powerful have brutalized. It is the regeneration of all creation. It is the end of global pandemics. It is the weeping of children giving way to eternal laughter. It is the death of death. 
December 20th, there's going to be some folks who are going to gather in this sanctuary for a blue Christmas service. And you know what they need to know as they grieve the loss of loved ones, many of them from this year, and Kathleen and I will be among them. Yesterday was the first time in I don't know how many years that I didn't call my mother at 6.30 to remind her I was causing her pain at 6.30 in the morning on December 2nd. Because I couldn't. But you see what we believe. The Master's coming back. We believe in the death of death. And that's the message for us. So as we enter Advent, let's long for his light to be poured out in the darkness around us and maybe within us. So let me ask you, where is it that you're longing for his light? Where where is it that you need Advent to happen? Where do you need the light of Christ? Wherever you are on the spectrum of a faith journey, wherever you are, you and I, we all have longings for light. We all, we all have places that we run to try to hide from the light. Where is it? As I'm asking myself these same questions, where is it that you need the light of Christ to meet you? Where is it that you need forgiveness? Or you need to give forgiveness? Where is it that you need to grow in the love for the one who's hard to love? Where is it that you need the light of Jesus to come and help you serve that one who's been a victim of injustice? Where is it that you, where is it that you need the light of Jesus to come and help you be honest with his word and with his way? Where is it? Where is that for me? Where is it that the world's longing for light may be a place where I show up and give them light? Perhaps Jesus most lived up to his self-description as light at the darkness, in the darkest point in all of human history. Colossians, we read these words from St. Paul. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. God rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Notice that the universal symbol for the Christian faith is not the Christmas tree. Universal symbol for Christian faith is not the manger. Some Some think it's the presence. But the universal symbol for the Christian life is not even the star. But as we gather at this table, because we recognize that the shadow that is cast in the brightness of the light of Christ is the cross. That is the universal symbol. And it's there, my friends. Oh, it doesn't look like it's there. 
But it's there where words are made true. These words melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away, giver of immortal gladness. Fill us. Oh, fill us. Fill us with the light of day. You see, in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, God answered this prayer. Make your face shine on us that we might be saved. So yes, as our pastors come for communion, fill us with the light of day. Let us welcome Advent. Let us welcome his light as we meet at this table.